Hi there, you're listening to the Guitar Speak podcast, produced here in Sydney, Australia. My name is Matt Wakeling. Thank you so much for joining me today. Now today we speak with two fantastic guitar players. First up, the one and only Zach Wild, followed up by a catch-up with my good friend Greg Mara. Now Zach, of course, rose to prominence when he joined Ozzy Osbourne's band back in 1988 for the No Rest for the Wicked album subsequent touring and other albums, really following in the footsteps of some incredible guitar players. Of course, Randy Rhodes, Jakey Lee, Brad Gillis, just to name a few guitar players who've held down the coveted guitar spot in Ozzy's band. We talked to Zach whilst he's on the road with the Black Label Society. Now that's the band he formed and he's fronted since 1998. Zach talks us through some of the massive riffs on the latest BLS album, Grimmest Hits. He talks about the inspiration behind starting his own line of guitars and amps. That's Wild Audio. And he tells us what it's like to be back working with Ozzy for a farewell tour. Now, Greg Mara won't be a stranger to listeners of the Guitar Speak podcast. We spoke to him back in February 2017 on episode number 36. And he's been up to so much great stuff, I just had to have him back on the show for a catch-up, which was really cool. So we talk about new Plenty Heavy material. Uh, He's moved to Sully Guitars, which is super cool. Um, Playing at NAMM, working at Joe Satriani's G4 camp, and starting his own podcast. So lots to catch up with Greg too. So... That was very, very fun. But let's jump straight into our interview with Zach Wild. Hello there. <laughs> hey, Zach. It's Matt Wakeling from the Guitar Speak podcast. What's happening? How you doing? What's happening over there? Uh, it's all happening over here. <laughs> How are you doing? You're about two months into a, a really steady run of dates for Black Label. Are you in Albuquerque today? I'm trying to work out your schedule. Yep, we, uh, we just did the uh, Tempe, Arizona chapter last night. Now we're rolling with the Albuquerque, New Mexico chapter. So, uh, yeah, without a doubt, man. That's ready awesome. To, uh, put the fishnets back on, the, uh, the stilettos, the eye shadow, and get ready to make a, a ton of costume changes tonight and do the big Black Label <laughs> dance, O'Doom and Light. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. That's cool, man. That's awesome. Fantastic. Hey, congratulations on the new album, Grimmest Hits. It's massive. It sounds fantastic. It's a mountain of riffs. Oh, thanks a lot, brother. So, yeah, I just uh, I just put on all my Lady Gaga and Justin uh, Bieber records, put them on backwards, <laughs> listen to all the satanic messages and riffs. Yeah, it's quite the production, but it's worth it because it's all about the art and the dance. Hey, is it true you wrote the whole album in three weeks? Uh, yeah, I had like 20 days to write the record. So, you know, I mean, I had the inklings of, uh, you know, some of the, like the riffs were trampled down below, and then I had the riffs for uh, uh, All That One Shined, or no, Seasons of Falter. Yeah. So, you know, like a couple things in there. Okay. But then, uh, yeah, but when I was home, and, you know, I think uh, the only words I had, you know, because it reminded me of like a stonesy wild horses type thing. Yeah. So, cool. yeah, just that. I only had like three things, but, you know, it'd be like, you know, me calling you up and you ma- you're my manager. I was just like, boss, what are we doing? Uh, how much time do I have? We were on the road with Doc Sabbath, and I was just like, boss, how much time do I have when I get home? And he goes, well, you have about days or something like that before the fellas come out to the, the Black Paddock. And I was like, all right, I got like three, you know, 20 days to write a record. All right, no problem. 
So, I mean, the whole thing is you just get home and you just start, you know, you got a deadline. So, I mean, the whole thing is it's got to get done. I mean, if, if I had you, you know, I'm your agent and I'm like, bro, you got five months to do this movie and they need you like with a six pack of abs and everything like that. You know, you're like, all right, well, I got five months. All right, cool. Um, you know, me and you'll go like pound a bunch of cheeseburgers today and McDonald's and then, uh, and some pizza and cheesecake and whatever we want to do today just for uh, a little send-off. And now you know you've got five months to get whipped. So, you know, you got a deadline. You know, you just, and then you're like, you just apply yourself and you do it. So, I mean, the whole thing for me is just you go out there and you start writing riffs every day. So, uh, until you get something you're happy with. You know, and if I could, if you called me up, you're like, you got anything today? I'm like, yeah. So, I got like probably two things at Inklings, but I mean, nothing that's really, you know, get me uh, my uh, man you know, ready for devastation. But I mean, uh, no, and if you don't find anything today, we'll take tomorrow. You know what I mean? Until we, until you get something else. But yeah, no, no sense in gripping or, or panicking. You just get, you just keep going until you get something. Yeah, right. Yep, cool. Do you usually like to work like that? Like to have a deadline and just a clear block of writing? Yeah, I, yeah without a doubt. Almost kind of like with sports. Me and you know, uh, the the baseball season's coming up, so you know we we know we got you know six weeks to you know before spring training comes. So me and you are already hitting the batting cages and working out. You know, like we never stopped, anyways. But I mean, I'm just saying, uh, yeah. I, I it, to me, because otherwise you just you know it'll keep going on and on and on. You'll never stop until you know like, when is it going to be ready? Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, you got to get it done. You get it done. Yeah, sure. The the riff on Trampled Below. There's a couple of riffs I really I love the uh, how you play with the timing. So Trampled Down Below, you've got bars in three and five and four. Are you thinking about that as you're piecing the riff together, or is that just how it comes out and then you work out where the meter sits with it? No, it's just. I mean, that's just how it came out. You know, I mean, it's just so. Uh, like I said, I mean, it's, it's, to me, the three, the box, Beethoven, and Mozart of rock riffs. I pretty much, you know, uh, Lord Iommi, Pope Page, and, you know, uh, the, the source of Blackmore. So, okay. you know, it's, it's between Tony Jimmy Page and Richie Blackmore, if you're a classical musician, you know, part of your education is Bach, Beethoven, and Mozart. You would know something by each one of those guys. So, yeah, sure. to me, you know, I mean, between Iron Man, Smoke on the Water, and a whole lot of love, I, I, I mean, it really doesn't get much better than that. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, and not only that, just to put yourself in that frame of mind, it's just like if you can't write a riff on one or two strings, you know, that's the whole thing. Because then you got to start using your imagination. So, I mean, it's, the, it's pretty much the art of simplicity. Mm -hmm. those guys, you know what I mean? When you listen to those memorable riffs, especially when we're doing Zach Sabbath and everything, yeah, it really sure. is staggering. The... the you know, when you're playing these songs live, I mean, it's just like between us playing Supernaut, Snowblind, Into the Void, you know, any of these, uh, or Barry's Wear Boots or anything. I mean, it's just the riffs are so memorable and and simple. You know what I mean? So it's just, I mean, there's an art to it, man. And, you know, and those are the three kings, for sure. Yeah. You know, that. So I think, I think if anything's in the zip code of, of what they created, uh, then, you'll, then, you know, you'll be fine. Awesome, man. That's so good. Yeah, man, you mentioned Paige, something like Bury Your Sorrow. You've got that three against four kind of thing against the drums. That that struck me as a little bit zeppish. Um, love that riff. That's very, very cool. Yeah, well, 
Are you writing on, I assume for the heavier stuff, you're writing this stuff on guitar? Is everything written on guitar for, for this album? Uh, it could be either guitar or bass. I mean, you know, because I mean, then, and like you said, then you're just limiting yourself to four strings. Okay. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So, you know, if you're, if you're writing a riff on a bass, you know, like I'm saying, if it was never created, it's a, it's a whole lot of love never existed. You know, you're going to land, land, You know, I mean, you were, I'm like, man, what's that? You're like, God, this is the thing I'm jamming on this morning. You know, because it's, and once again, you're on two strings. Man. You're not on, you don't even need the other two. You're just on the E and the A. That's you it. know what I mean? So, uh, you know, or any of those amazing books, you know, whether it's the, uh, the ocean went down, 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 that's yeah, so cool. Totally. You know, so I mean, uh, yeah, so I mean, I, when, as far as riffs go, I, you know, I kind of always keep that in mind when I'm really going to come up with a riff. Like the simpler, it's usually the simpler the better. I mean, like Stillborn is da na 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 all that you've loved and, and that's gone before you. What about something like? Um, I, I think I think with all I think with all bands and with all artists that we love, you're just uh, you're a reflection of everything you love and you listen to and what you digest. I mean, like even with you know when you listen to Sabbath and Zeppelin and everything like that, it was their love for all the blues-based bands. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, because there was such an explosion of uh, blues at that time. You know, between John Mayall and the Blues Breakers. And that, you know, all those, you know, the younger guys, like, you know, Sabbath and Zeppelin, their love for that, you know, and then, listen, then going back and listening to old blues artists, whether it's Muddy Waters and Howlin' Wolf and all this other stuff, mm -hmm. and then just making it louder and more aggressive. You yeah. know what I mean? So that's what Clean was doing. And then, you know, Between Sunshine and Your Love, which was probably the first heavy metal riff. Sure. If you really yeah. think about it, you know, down down, 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 and once again, you can play that on two strings. Yeah. So, but I mean, uh, you know, from there, and then you have, you know, Queen, and Zeppelin, and Sabbath, and then, you know, so I mean, it, and then it just goes from there. And I mean, but like, everything's all riff. It's all riff driven, and, and you know, and all things, you stay in love for that kind of music. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I think that's how it is with everybody. It's just your, your reflection of everything you digest. So, that's your education, you know, and, and not only that, you're playing the music you like. Uh, How about a tune like The Day That Heaven uh, Had Gone Away? That's a little more reminiscent of maybe the Jimi Hendrix, Curtis Mayfield kind of clean chord style of all the hammer-ons. That's, that's yeah, a beautiful totally. tune. Yeah, totally. I mean, and the chorus and, then chorus and everything like that, and it reminds me of like all the other stuff I love, whether it's Percy Sledge and Sam Cooke and everything like that. So, uh, and then, like I said, and, uh, Sam Hendrix and... Without a doubt, the chord voicings are all Hendrix for sure. I mean, you know, so the way he voices his chords and everything like that's total Jimmy for sure. Reflection of everything you love. 
Hey, beautiful tone on that that song as well, as well as um, uh, the only words too. Oh, what what guitar are you playing on those tracks? Um, I'm actually playing one of my barbarians that have. I with BMG we just designed these pickups that you did. It's uh, you pull out, you know, one of the uh, the volume knob. You pull the vo- the volume knob out, and it splits the uh, the EMG from you know a humbucker to a single coil. Oh, okay, yeah, so yeah. That, you know, the daddy, you know, that liquidy single coil cone. Yeah, you can't get that. I mean, you always get that bonus with a single coil, or it's just it's impossible to get with a you know humbucker. Yeah, it sounded uh, almost stratish, but with your your own kind of twist on it. So it's such a great tone, man. Totally. Cool. Yeah, I mean, like I mean, the the, the spec. Like, if you listen to Robbie Blunt, you know, on Big Log, with Robert Plant, or uh, Mark Knopfler, you know, Sultan's a Swing, and stuff, or Robin Trower. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm saying those tones, I mean, it's, you can only get that sound with a scrap, you know, about a single coil pickup. What about the heavier stuff? What What's your rig like for, for that on the album? Uh, actually, I'm using one amp, and that's my Wild Audio Master 100. Okay. For the clean stuff, just the guitar turns down, you know, without the distortion going a lot. Okay. But, uh, you know, because there's still air on it, even though it's clean. But uh, I'm using that, and then I use, uh, I'm using all my Wild Audio guitars. I use, you know, even the Book of Shadows record, I use all my Wild Audio stuff. So, cool. uh, yeah, I mean, you know, now it's just completely all my stuff. Zach, you speak so respectfully of the past, but you also, from what I see here, you're always pushing forward. Is that the case with Wild Audio? Because you, you you've said you've had great relationships with Marshall and Gibson and uh, Dunlop, I guess, but um, when you started Wild Audio a couple of years ago, what, what was the inspiration there? Well, no, I mean, the whole thing is now that we have our own franchise, I mean, it's just like, you know, if we were... If we own a sports franchise, it would be played. It mean you played for Manchester United, uh, and now we have our own franchise. We're owners, we're team owners. We know how it's run at a championship franchise. You, you know what I mean? I'm just saying, we know how it's run, how it well, how it's supposed to be run, if you want to be successful. So I mean, because uh, we've been there, you know what I mean. So whether we were players, then we were coaches, then we were, you know. You know, vice president of operations, and the only next logical step for me and you would be, you know, team owners. Yeah. Okay. So you know, but then you know, yeah. So you just take the blueprint of what we've been doing with Manchester United, how how we did the draft system, how we did the farm system, how we dealt with free agency, how we how the stadiums run, how the parking is done, I mean, how how everything properly done, and then we'll just take that work ethic and then bring it to our company. You know what I mean? And just because the way things are supposed to be done properly. So, you know, it's kind of that. You just take those values and then we'll just we'll, we'll carry them with our company. So, you know, that's that's how it is. I mean, it's just, it's a lot of fun. I mean, you know, because, <clears throat> I mean, it's not for everybody. You know, I mean, I'm, I mean, I, a lot of my musician buddies are just like, they'd rather just play and then, dude, I just want to go home. You know, I mean, yeah, I, sure. I, I just want to show up, play, write, and they don't want to be involved in the artwork. They don't want to be involved in the production. They don't want to be involved in the, the merchandise. They don't want to be involved in owning a company, you know, I mean, a guitar company. They're just not to be like, Jack, I just want to play the thing. I, I really don't care about creating guitars and running a business. I, mean, I just want to play and go home. Yeah, of course. You know what I mean? So, 
like I said, you know, it's not for everybody. I mean, if you if you love doing it, to me, it's not work. I I, I just love doing it. You know, so um, yeah. I mean, because every day I wake up, you know, because I always tell kids, they're just like, hey, John, you got any uh, advice for my son or my daughter? You know, they want to be, you know, they want to play music. I go, yeah, make the band your job. In this way, you'll always love going to work every day. Awesome. It should be a grocery list every day you wake up of things you got to do to put another brick on the empire that's going to be your band. You know, I mean, if we owned if we owned a burger joint, I mean, we'd, we'd start off like McDonald's. We start off at a little shop, and then we just build and you build and you build and you build, and each day we put another brick, and then you know, until you got this castle. So you know, then then it turns into who's willing to put the work in and who quits. So, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I mean, that's about it. Yep. So, you, you yeah. yeah. Because, I mean, I have so many friends that don't even, when I started with Aji, I probably don't even play anymore, and they're completely out of the music business, right? You know, as opposed to, you know, because with any band, you can put the band together, and then you can get the van and the U-Haul, and then you can head out on the road and try and make this a successful business, or if times start getting tough, you either quit or you keep plowing ahead. So, I mean, that's the, that's the line between whether you're going to be successful or you quit and you go home and go, well, I'm going to do something else. So, you know, I mean, that's that's what it takes. Yeah, sure. Yeah. That's cool. Hey, you mentioned Aussie. Um, I guess you'd be aware this is 30 years since you joined Aussie's band, played on No Rest for the Wicked. Uh, it's also 20 years of Black Label and your 10th Black Label album. Do, do you... How do you look back on on those sort of milestones? No, I mean nothing but amazing memories, man. I, you know, I mean even during the drinking years, the Animal House here is a black label, uh-huh. uh, which is completely out of control. I mean, I have nothing but hilarious memories and just like ridiculous stories. I mean, we all still laugh about it. Whenever I run into any of the old any of the old uh, fraternity members, I mean, it's just like just it's like nothing but crying and laughing. Uh-huh. And and the same thing with Ozzy. I mean, it's not, you know, I mean, I would say with with Oz, it was just a miracle we ever got any work done just because we'd always be crying laughing. <laughs> That's and cool. Else I, stopped, I mean, it was just nothing but Animal House all the time. But, you know, so it's like, I always just say, it was a miracle anything ever got done. But, uh, you always crying laughing. But, I mean, uh, no, now, you know, it's still pretty much the same thing. I don't drink anymore, but I'm sniffing glue and eating paint chips, and the results <laughs> are astoundingly the same. I wake up with my pants around my ankle. And I don't recall anything, but the fellas are like, Zach, we had a great time last night. <laughs> I'll have my time to but I don't remember. So, so the, results are, the results are pretty much the same, but I, it's less filling. I, you know, it's less caloric, so I can, <laughs> it's much easier keeping a figure. <laughs> Oh, good, good to hear, man. That's that's very good. Hey, um, <laughs> <laughs> I've I've we've only got a couple of minutes left. Can I ask you a quick question? One of my, one of my buddies wanted to know um, Mir- the Miracle Man solo. It's obviously double track. Did you pre-compose that and then double track it, or did you um, did you just blast it out and then have to work work out the doubling for it? No, well, I mean it's definitely from the Randy Randy Rhodes, the Saint Rhodes School of. Uh, Oh, you know, where you compose it, where you make a song within uh-huh. a song, like you know, "Stairway to Heaven," uh, "Hotel California." You know, I mean, and, and like with Randy stuff, with I mean, basically all his solos. Yeah. Whether it's Mr. Crowley, I don't know, Crazy Train, they're all it's all composed. Yeah, cool. 
you know, I mean, like one fits. It's all the same thing. They're all composed. You know, you sit with it like a little homework project, and I, I, I record. I get, get the backing tracks. I put the CD on a on a boombox, yeah. and I just sit there with my little practice amp, and I just you write something until you're happy with it. You know what I mean? You start with the beginning and then the end, and then, you know, it's just like the beginning, a middle, and an end. You know, so it just kind of tells a story. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I, I play the same song. I mean, when I do this hits or any of the Black Label records, I, I, can, I play them for you every night. You know what I mean? From, so you, you memorize them. You know, so it's, it's, so it's, I look forward to it. It's, it's like, you know, here's my little project. Let me, let me see if I can come up with it, what I can come up with. Okay, yep. Awesome, man. Now, you're... um. As we said, like you're you're on the road pretty solidly at the moment, and coming up, I think you're heading to Europe shortly. Is there any chance of bringing Black Label Society to Australia? Yeah, without a doubt, we'll be rolling with the uh, the Australian and New Zealand chapters too. You know, and obviously you want to go to you know go to Asian chapters as well. So yeah, there's obviously when we get done with this run with the American and Canadian chapters right now, we're going to head over to uh, yeah, one day home. And then uh, straight to Russia. Yep. So, uh, you know, I look forward to that. So, you know, I, I, I look forward to getting up on stage every night, man. Awesome. Very cool. Well, hey, Zach, thank you so much for joining me. Really, uh, man, so great to meet you. And um, all the best for the rest of the tour and uh, and all that's ahead for you. You got it right back at you, my brother. Great talking to you. And tell the Australian chapter to stay strong. Keep reading Black Label. God bless. And we'll see you guys in a little bit. Cheers. Okay. Thanks so much, Zach. Take care, my brother. All right, there you go. My conversation with Zach Wild. That was a lot of fun and inspiring. I loved hearing him talking about all those riffs and banging them out on a couple of strings, putting the record together in a few weeks. Very, very cool. All right, on to my conversation now with Greg Mara. Now, as I said at the front of the show, Greg has become a great friend of the podcast and it was really cool to catch up. And I'll just say it now. Check out all of Greg's stuff. He's plenty heavy. That's his band, plus a, a ton of solo stuff. We've got some really great rock instrumental. Uh, the new stuff's more vocal, vocally oriented, but still with blazing guitars. He, he works with a lot of great guitar companies like Wampla and uh, Sully Guitars, as we're going to hear all about. And uh, has a fantastic podcast, the Iconoclast Music Podcast, where he talks to primarily guitar players and guitar-related folks, but not always, and, and that's an excellent show as well. All right, here we go. My catch-up with Greg Mara. Hello. Oh, hey, Greg. Matt Wakeling here. Hello. How are you? Good, mate. How are you? Very well, thank you. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming back. Nice to, nice to catch up, man. Absolutely. Cool. Been in, been enjoying your show. Man, and yours. It's um, it's funny because when we first um, when we first met, Mick from Amps and Axes introduced us. So, I only really knew you through doing my homework, like listening to. You listening to all your music and stuff and finding out as much as I could. But since then, you've started your podcast and I've been... I feel like I yeah. know you a little bit better <laughs> without <laughs> so talking likewise. to you. Without even talking to you. <laughs> exactly. Likewise. The um, Well, originally I thought, oh man, you're, yeah, you're working at the G4 behind the scenes. So I thought it'd be fun to find out about that. But since then, yeah. you've done so much cool stuff um, yeah. that there's, there's heaps to catch up on. So we might jump in if that's cool. <laughs> Absolutely. Excellent. So when we first spoke, I, I can't remember the date. Um, I will look it up and uh, work it out. But it's probably, it's either early last year or, or late 2016. I can't remember. But um, 
so I'll just run through my list of stuff you've done since then and maybe <laughs> we can talk about that. So um, so you started the podcast probably not long after we spoke on this show and that's mm -hmm. been awesome. I've loved that. I've, um, it's been great. I love how you speak so candidly, um, both, oh, yeah. both as your, from your perspective of being inside the music industry um, and the guys you talk to too. I love the, um, the Mike Melinda interview. That was yeah. his, That was great. And he... Yeah, he's... He could have kept going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's a very honest guy as well, so I, I really appreciated that. But you were you were great. You asked some really, really great questions. Well, thanks, man. Awesome. Uh, I think the last one I listened to was Patrick from is it Leader Ford's band? I forget yeah. The surname. Yeah. He was cool too. Yep. So yeah. Patrick Kennison. Yeah, he. I really enjoyed him because I, he's such a tremendous talent. He just really is a well-rounded musician in all respects. He can shred, he can write songs, he can kick back, he can back up Lita. And it's just, you know, it's just awesome to have a guy like that that's so cool, too. Yeah, he was great, man. He was very cool. So, yeah, I mean, it often happens that when I, even if I don't know someone, I'll, I'll usually listen to the, the show just because it's always an interesting story. And then I usually end up digging back and finding out more about them. So, yeah, that was a cool introduction. And um, I just saw you've just today, as we speak in, uh, it's early March, you've um, posted your interview, your hangout with um, Alistair Green. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Nice. He, uh, and by the way, are we live now? Are we recording? Well, I'm recording. I'm always recording. So <laughs> So I'm on. We're on now. Okay, let me put on my radio voice. Oh, okay, okay. Do, uh, do, you, no, want, do you want us to start officially? No, we don't have to. I mean, okay. it's great. I mean, <laughs> okay. it's, it's really relaxed. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Alistair lives about 20 minutes away. Okay. And, uh, he was here last summer, too. I've got a studio in my house. One of the yeah. bedrooms is converted. It's all sound treated, and I've got all... It's just too much stuff in this room, but it works fine. I've found workarounds for uh, being able to do anything in my studio. But Alistair, uh, he lives not not too far away. Yep. And uh, we he was here last summer, last June, and um, I had a hard drive that I was backing everything up to, and it went missing. Yeah. So he was cool enough to uh, to come back, and I think it, it's kind of it's kind of better because we his new record is out, Dream yeah, Train, yeah, and yeah, so yeah. we were able to sort of like you know, just like you were saying, you get to know somebody by listening to their backstory, listening to other people interview that person, yeah, and you can kind of paint a picture, and and you know it's not it's not like a struggle to try to uh, find you know comfortable conversation. So I think it was actually good that we that we re uh you know we did the the interview again and he, he came back over and man just a great well refined guitar player he's just a really cool yeah yeah uh, blues rock player he's really great awesome man yeah i'm looking forward to listening to that one that's cool and were you guys jamming or something i saw some pictures with guitars yeah he played yeah nice. um i was gonna play too but you know it's like one of those things where i don't want to try to you know uh loom over anyone or you know impose myself when I'm interviewing someone else because I hate that when I listen to interviews with other people and they're always saying my experience is this and you're going well wait a minute your guest is this person so <laughs> yeah, we yeah. want to we want to hear about the guest so that's sure. I try to uh you know I try to not cross that line but man he played it's it's in the episode and it's really cool he went through uh he had a vintage Fender Strat that he played and then he had a Les Paul I don't, I don't know what year it was I think it was a reissue but okay yeah it's they both sounded great yeah I mean, nice just, yeah, it was great. Very cool. And you plugged into one of your amps? Yeah, I've got a 
I've got a couple of Freedmans. Yeah. I've got a BU100 that is kind of like the number one. Yeah. Uh, Pink Taco that I like to take out for live because you just can't get a bad sound out of it. Uh-huh. And everyone loves it. It'll, it'll do metal if you put a pedal in front of it. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, cool. It'll do blues rock. It'll do, you know, it'll do anything you want it to do. And plus, it just has something, some extra special mojo to it. And then recently I bought a used uh, third power, uh, the RPO 100, which is, uh, you know, it's it's like the first Van Halen record. And I got a smoking deal on it, so I had wow. to buy that one too. That's but yeah, awesome. he was going through the BE 100. That's awesome, man. Very cool. Yeah, can't wait to hear it. I'll plug into that soon. Hey, um, speaking about, well, not playing on the show, you last time you were on my show, I played a bunch of plenty heavy stuff because you just, I think the EP was just out and you've since finished the whole record. That's cool. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Nice. I, I listened to the whole thing. It's great. So it's more the same vibe, but just bunch of different songs and <laughs> thank you your thing loved it man because we're, we're we're both big pop punk fans it seems so yeah. um that's nice so are you any plans to play those things live yeah absolutely um you know i, I always try to have musicians in in towns that i go travel to and because it's 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 mainly been like just the greg mara show yeah but i want it to be a band i really do want it to be a band but unfortunately right now uh, the bass player Bjorn Anglin is in Dio Disciples. Yeah, and they just announced yeah. a bu- like two months worth of dates. So I, I'm forced to find a, a backup player. So, you know, I have a couple of really great bass players that I'm working with. Mm-hmm. Uh, one guy that doesn't have a lot of credits, but he's really, he's just a great guy and he's easy to hang out with. Um, and then I've got uh, Jerry Best, who played in Lion with uh, um, Doug Aldridge back oh, in the okay. 80s. Cool, man. Uh, great. I mean, we worked, um, he works for Friedman and Wampler and the, the boutique amps company. Yeah. So I work for Wampler at the NAMM show. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we found each other, just crossing each other's paths the entire five days of the show. And, you know, I worked with them last year. And then this year we had a lot of time to kind of really, you know, you get in, inside someone's world and, and, it, and when it's comfortable and natural and, you know, you're relating to the same things and you have the same people in your, in your circles. It's just sometimes it's really a great chemistry, uh-huh. and Jerry and and uh, and myself, he's probably like that with everyone. But for me, it just seemed really comfortable to talk to him, and there was a lot of work that went into it too. You know, like we're working, we're moving things around, we're making sure we're dealing with uh, dealers and customers and artists and the whole thing. But at the same time, he was really easy to work with. So Jerry and I have been talking about doing something together, and uh, I think we're going to have the opportunity to here coming up in the next couple months. But as far as the plenty heavy thing, yeah, I'm sort of forced to find other players for it. I, I really would love to have it be Mike Hansen and Bjorn England who played on the record, but everyone's so busy that likely until we can kind of get our, 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 uh, our legs and uh, get proper offers, you know, you know, I'll probably have to use other guys, but yeah, yeah definitely sure. going to happen. My next move is uh, I'm going to be playing the Dallas guitar show and, I'll be playing some of the the plenty heavy stuff at that show. Great, great. Are, are you taking guys there, or you've got some local guys lined up? Yeah, I've got Adam Adam Nanez, um, who is a local Dallas guy. He's got oh, a trio. Yeah, yeah awesome. I don't he, know if you know him. I, I know of him through Sully Guitars, and yeah. you you had him on the show on your show recently. I did. <laughs> cool man. Yeah, so they're they're gonna. I just sent him my whole uh, you know my discography of records, and so we're gonna pick some songs this week. Likely do a lot of covers, maybe throw in some Kiss. Because I know Solly's a big Kiss fan. Yeah, he is. And maybe do Shock Me by Ace Frehley. And, uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but those guys are going to back me. And then Rob Welch, who played in my band before, yep. 
is uh, he's going to be traveling there too. We're going to be kind of uh, sharing the hotel and the ride and everything. Uh, cool. So man. he's going to we're we're going to pick some songs to do as well. Great. So it should be a fun show. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Well, that that ties us into Sully. I, I see you, you've you're playing Sully guitars now. That's heaps cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm I'm, I'm really fortunate to uh, have just met Sully. I mean, yeah. I met John a couple of years ago at the Nam show. Mm-hmm. And you know how, like I'm, like I'm telling you with Jerry Best, it was like kind of the same thing where it's like, it just made it easy. He just made it, made it easy to just interact with him, and he's kind of a rock star himself. I mean, John Sullivan, he just kind of is. You know, he just kind of is. A, I know he's a guitar builder, but he's kind of a rock star. He you know? is, man. <laughs> <laughs> so it's fun uh, to be around him. You know, so um, but I had the opportunity a couple of years ago to play some of his custom guitars. Yeah. Same thing happened. Uh, you know, the last you know the last few years in a row. But unfortunately, for for John, he's so good, and so in demand that he's got a long lead time. So I never had the opportunity to even be put on his uh, custom build list. Right. Yeah. And then this year, he's provided a, a line that's a production model line, um, with all his 3D designs and specs, and it, it's it's a phenomenal instrument. It's called the Conspiracy Series, and it's made from World Music, which is like one of the top uh, production line. Uh, out of uh, South Korea. Yeah, yeah. They do um and, uh, they do all the PRS SE stuff and the um yeah. the Wild Audio Zach Wild stuff and Yep. Yeah. They do Chapman. Yeah. They do awesome. and the stuff they're doing, I'll be honest with you, uh Matt, uh I'm I'm like the worst when it comes to nitpicking uh <laughs> guitars just because I've had so many of them. Yeah. Production line, custom builds and I'm and I'm worse with a production line guitar because I mean they should have it dialed in because I think John said they're making 700 guitars a month. So yeah, wow. You would think that they've got it. They've they know what they're doing. I, yeah, dude, I could not, I could not find a one thing. Wow. With it, I slammed the strings down, put the the nine to 46 gauge. It's the thing is perfect, and it's it's so it's so well balanced and and ergonomic feeling that it's not an ergo guitar, but it it feels like it is. It mm-hmm. feels like everything's in the right place. And and to be honest with you, I've played everything, and this is the one that I'm going. Every single time I play it, pick it up, I'm like, yeah, it's right. So he didn't design it for me, but it feels like it. Yeah, that's great. Is that the Stardust or is that the 71, the Stardust? Yeah, I've, yeah, yeah I've got cool. the Stardust here. I got the prototype one. Yeah. Uh, it's nice. all satin black. It's all blacked out. And then uh, I uh, put on order a white Stardust mm-hmm. and a 71. So Excellent. I'll have three of them here in a couple cool, months. Man. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. They look great. They look so cool. Yeah, I love it. They are coming to Australia. The Sully's dealers are in um, uh, Brisbane, which is about an eight-hour drive north for me. I think that's the oh, closest okay. dealer. <laughs> but um, wow, man, I'd love to check them out. They look really cool. Oh, that's yeah, cool. I'm glad you hooked up with Sully. He was I had him on the show yeah a while ago too, and he was so much fun and just really brilliant at what he does. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's a good guy. <laughs> he is a good guy. He's very entertaining. It's funny. He's got a I don't know if you've seen his YouTube uh, yeah, web yeah, series, yeah. but it's quite it's quite old and it's still entertaining, and it's you still, still feel like he's the same guy. Yeah, it's still great. That's cool, man. <laughs> you um, from listening to your show, I was I was trying to read beh- between the lines a little bit because you would talk about endorsement deals a bit, and yeah. um, I saw you playing a lot of Charvel guitars. Um, yeah. Obviously, you're known as an Ibanez guy for a long time, so I saw you posting lots of Charvel stuff, and then then you moved over to the Sully guitar thing so it sounds like it's been a good move for you it really has and and uh you know every year i try to be more positive and and uh, realistic and honest with just life you know just 
relationships and, you know, try to, uh, you know, keep things in perspective. And the reason why you saw me not playing brand A and then I went on to brand B, it's just I had it in my mind. I said, look, if I'm going to be the one that's promoting me more than anyone else, these companies that are supposed to be promoting me, I'm just going to play what I like. So, you know, I've been very fortunate to, you know, collect guitars that I love. Mm -hmm. And I've got a ton of Charvels. I love those guitars. I love Wayne Charvel. I've got a couple of those guitars. Oh, okay, I do love yeah, Ibanez. Cool. And, but for me, it's like, I, you know, I could love anything if you put it in my hands for long enough. You know what I mean? I could kind of find even like uh, something that doesn't play so well or sound great. I could try to, you know, you, you sort of mold your style to what that guitar does but as far as like a guitar that does everything that yeah. solid does it for me so that's why it's kind of like well i love the Sherbells, i love the other the other brands yeah sure. you know and and i've and i've owned a bunch of different brands but for me it's like well this this just feels right every time so i don't feel like i need uh three different brands in order to accomplish what i need to do yeah great man this this the solid guitar you can split the split the coils you know, you can get a classic sound by rolling off the volume. I mean, it just it just does everything. That's that's kind of that's kind of why to me it seems like well, it just all makes sense now. Yeah, nice, nice. I think I heard you saying on the show. I think I mean you've just said it now too. How it fits you, just how you'd want the guitar to. That's that's very cool. When you just pick one up and it feels familiar. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, cool. I love John's whole story. Like the seventy ones. Um, I think I've heard him say it's like his idea of what he would like a Les Paul to be because he's a he's a long scale guy he's like a a strat scale strat scale player twenty five and a half inch but he could never get on with a twenty four three quarter of a um of a Les Paul so that's that's cool I've got um my one set neck uh, electric is an Ibanez and it's for that reason because it's the strat scale because I'm so used to the long snappiness of it so. Yeah. I love it that he's doing that with his guitars and the um the Stardust. That's a bolt on, isn't it? So that's going to be a bit snappier, it is. I guess. It is. Yeah, it's got the stainless steel frets. So it's a bolt on. Yeah. Cool. I don't know how. I mean, the neck, from what I can tell, I think it's fifty sixteenth fret, mm -hmm. is where the body meets the neck okay, at the yep. top, and then it's dude, it's cut all the way up to like twenty one. Yeah. You wow. have access. So it kind of gives you that feeling of playing. I don't know if you've played an Explorer and kind of felt like. The neck was wide open. You can go wherever you want yeah, from yeah, left yeah. to right, and I think that's a different scale length. Yeah. But it's just that feeling of having a complete wide open neck and not feeling constricted to even like, you know, the bass strings when you would wrap your hand all the way around up to like the the twentieth fret and yeah, above. Cool. It always seemed weird to me, but with this guitar, it doesn't. It feels, it feels like it's all access. That's awesome, especially being a single cut. That's if you can still get the access happening. That's that's very cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Hey, um, I wanted to talk to you about G four. What was that like for you, yeah. being a being a fly on the wall there? Oh man, I was hired by Bananas at Large, just a music retailer, and I've got a great friend Alan Rosen that mm -hmm. I've done a lot of video. Like I've done so much work for them. I've done clinics, and they're in the San Francisco Bay Area. I'm in LA. Yeah. And uh, they they hired me to be, you know, the the guy that could demo guitars because a lot of those campers, I I don't know, two thousand something like that. A lot of those campers had the opportunity to buy Joe Satriani guitars, models, or the Phil. They shipped out a bunch of Jackson, Phil Collin. They had some Paul Gilbert guitars uh -huh. there. Yeah. So they had the whole backline store there, and for me, it was an opportunity to. I mean, here, here's the truth. It was an opportunity for me to go work the event and get a behind-the-scenes look, 
And dude, I had, I mean, we could talk for hours about this, but I'll just <laughs> keep it brief. When they were rolling in all the rare gear and all the backline and all the sound checks, in the hall that we were in is where they had the pop-up store uh, where I was working with Bananas at Large, and we saw everything, dude. It was, honestly, dude, it, it was really one of, I'll never forget that experience because, for one, it's in, like, Pebble Beach area, which is, like, where they have the 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 concourse uh, car shows and uh, they have, you know, the famous golfing uh, events and things like that. And it's beautiful right in the, right in the coast of California. So for nice. one, that's absolutely beautiful. You're staying there. And two, Phil Collins coming up and asking you if you could get some earplugs and a pack of strings and <laughs> you guys have the foot switch for his black star amp. So I'm telling you, there are so many instances like that where you're just going, I can't even believe this. I, it was just really, uh, you know, another, I'll just give you another quick example. Um, at the end of the show, um, one of the things that, that Bananas at Large gifted me, it was just, I'll tell you what, I was almost in tears as a, even as a grown man. Uh, they, they had a Warren Demartini Charvel, uh, the snakeskin guitar. And it was oh, like, man. Awesome. it's like, it's, it was, it was just, you know, and, and at the end of it, they said, uh, Hey, we're going to go get the sign. Can you take some pictures? And they had uh, Warren sign it and well, everybody signed it. But Warren signed it, and, and Phil Collins signed it at the end. And then um, they said, hold the guitar up. And Warren Martini and, and Phil Collins popped up like they're cardboard cutouts in the back of me. And I'm holding the guitar not knowing that those guys are in the back of me. And I've got a photo on my uh, Facebook uh, page of those guys in the back, man. And that was like – that was really cool. And I got to tell you, I'm – my probably my – besides like Michael Shanker and guys like that, Warren D. Martini is my number one guy. Yeah, you're a guy. huge fan. Yeah. Love him. Yeah. And so I got to talk to him throughout the show. And like, and he's, I'm telling you, I think sometimes quiet can come off as like, you know, he, he's he's arrogant or whatever, but that's not it at all. I mean, once you once you engage someone, and I think in a couple conversations, you just realize that he's just quiet. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I didn't really fan out too much. I tried to just, you know, quietly, you know, <laughs> yeah, let him know how much I, I love, you know, his playing meant to me and yeah, stuff like yeah. that. But, but just in normal conversation, that's, that was like, I'll never forget that. I mean, you feel like, how is this, you know, it's like, how is my childhood dream coming true? Yeah, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> getting to, getting to rub elbows with this guy was really, really cool, man. I mean, there's so many other stories, but that's just a couple. Yeah, that's, that's cool. That is so cool. Um, that's the, the whole thrust of the G4. It's not like the G3 2 of, like a gig although the, the, I saw lots of playing on, on YouTube I saw Tommy Emmanuel uh, shredding over um, ah. were they doing Rocket in the Free World or something that was fun yeah. I can't remember the song they played but at the, I'll tell you real quick about Tommy Emmanuel yeah yeah he absolutely burned the place down yeah it was it was all the guys on stage it was yeah. you got a Paul Gilbert you got Phil Collin you got Warren Martini. You've got Jeff Bowders on drums who play with Paul Gilbert. Uh -huh. You've got Joe Satriani. And Tommy Emmanuel, <laughs> he's, you know, I'll tell you, these camps, they had uh, the Joe Satriani camp and the same facility they had the Tommy Emmanuel camp. It's acoustic and electric. You know, you've got these two camps. Yeah. And Tommy Emmanuel on the last day uh, has got this incredible, you know, uh, you know, back line of amazing guitar players, the best of the best. And Tommy Emmanuel just brought down the house. Yeah. He did this thing. <laughs> Where he was doing some sort of inter intervallic thing with his with with you know sort of three notes, and he you know on a, on his tally I think I don't know 21 frets whatever yeah yeah it's, probably. It, he ran out of notes and I'm telling you what he he I don't know if he bent the string 
he kept going though. He was using the pickup. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what yeah, he was yeah. doing. And Joe Satriani turned around, uh, around Tommy Emmanuel's, uh, you know, sort of like around him to to look at him. Yeah. Uh, from the audience view, and and like everybody was in pure amazement as to what, how was he achieving notes that weren't even on the guitar? It was incredible. <laughs> it was really cool, man. That's awesome. He he's got all the tricks. He's got them all yeah. up his sleeve. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was that was amazing. I've got a lot of uh, I've got a lot of videos that, you know, I've posted some of them, and I, I've got some from the jam that I'm talking about. Yeah, and I can uh, I'm happy to Dropbox them to you. Oh, um, that'd be great. I know yeah, that some of those, uh, you know, that when you're working for uh, I can't remember Dreamcatcher, I think is the name of the event organizer. I know a lot of times maybe they don't want a lot of that stuff to be broadcast because they want people to experience it. Uh, you know, in person, that kind of thing. So I don't, you know, since I'm sort of working for someone that's working for them, yep, I don't really yep. want to post it up, but sure. I'm happy to share it with you. Yeah, oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. The little bits that were posted looked um, looked amazing, man. Um, yeah. What else? So, um, any Satch stories? Uh yeah, yeah. I, we got to. I mean, let me just say, uh, give you a little backstory of, of you know, and I'll I'll try to make this as brief as I can because I know we have limited time, but. Um, Alan Rosen owns Bananas at Large yeah. music stores in the San, in the San Francisco Bay Area, and that's who I work for. I'm very good friends with Alan Rosen from like more than ten years ago. Um, you know, we have a lot of history of me working with him. He deals with Neil Sean directly. He deals with Joe Satriani directly. So that kind of like puts your 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 arm around someone's shoulder kind of thing where you get the bro uh, treatment. I it was it was a hundred percent all access. So a couple quick things that, that I can impart is, uh, you know, Alan talking with Joe and they need something. They, oh, could you, you know, make sure this guitar is, is ready and, you know, new strings, whatever it happened to be. Or, uh, uh, you know, you're dealing with um, Joe signing amps or Joe has a special something that you want someone to see. So can you go take it to him? And so that a lot of that stuff where you're just going, well, I don't know if it even matters if I say anything. I'm just in the presence of greatness, mm -hmm. and uh, and I'm just going to enjoy it from kind of behind the scenes. But I did get to talk to Joe, and I did get to see all of his rare guitars um, on stage. You know, like I was on stage uh, because we were backlining some things, yeah, cool. and they had all of his throughout, like the the Not of This Earth through uh, uh, Surfing with the Alien, and you go through the different records. He had his entire history of guitars on stage. Oh wow! And uh, I'm telling you, I've got pictures of that too, where I'm like. Honestly, I could have just ran out of there and stuck it in my car and drove away <laughs> with these amazing guitars. And honestly, there was no one around. It was really, really cool. So those are kind of, kind of some, you know, like I said, we could talk for hours about that show. But uh, those are a couple, a couple of things that uh, just kind of stick with me. And of course, I took pictures with him. And there was one night where uh, a friend of mine, Bill Anero, who I has strap tight, uh, strap locks, a good friend of mine now. I'm, I'm now endorsing his product, but. Uh, you know he knows Joe very well, and uh, you know um, it's like one of the last nights of the show. We're we're nearly all all the way torn down, and we have a couple guitars left. They've got one more jam, and then we're gonna we're gonna get out of there. Everyone's packing it up. So Joe comes walking through, and um, you know you just you have that kind of one on one conversation where you're going, what do I say to Joe Satriani? I don't really know. <laughs> Let's just wait for him to say something first, and 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 just go roll with it. But uh. Because it's it's not often that, you know, you have like for me, you know, I de I definitely have had those opportunities 
with some of my heroes, but not really when there's literally you're in one room with Bill Nero, myself, and Joe. That's it. So, you know, like I said, I, <laughs> what do you say? You know, you just, you just, you want to say so much, but I tell you what, it ends up just being small talk. And I think we, we had a comment about Phil Collin had a shirt off in the poster behind the, behind the, on the wall behind us. And, and Joe said, was saying something about Phil Collin and man, I'll never have those man packs, you know, that kind of thing, <laughs> you know, just to sort of paraphrase. And that's, you know, like, like I'm saying, you, you have that small talk that you're, that you're, that you're exchanging, yeah, but, sure. uh, that was really cool. Yeah. Nice. Sounds like the whole thing was quite inspiring. Well, yeah. I mean, it really was, man, because you're in the same you're you're in the same cafeteria as all those guys. You're watching all the sound checks. If they like I said if they need something, you you give it, you know, you're you're able to provide that to them one-on-one. And I'll never forget it. And I've and I've got a lot of rehearsal footage too. Like I said, I'll I'll set up a Dropbox and I'll I'll shoot it to you so you can have it, but I've got a lot of the Warren D Martini rehearsals. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the Paul Gilbert rehearsals. I think I've got a Joe Satriani. Um, he was giving a, you know some sort of uh, you know like a clinic on something. So I've got a lot of that stuff. I'll just I'll just share it, and you can you can kind of see you can see, man. It was cool. <laughs> yeah, awesome, man. Yeah, that's great. This is kind of funny to me because you are like to me, you're you're an amazing guitarist. You played with some amazing people, but you you get as fanboy as. The rest of us, I guess, when you're around your heroes. Well, dude, thank you. I mean, for me, I, I don't. Th- I, I'm I'm happy to say at age 45 that I'm I've got that 17 year old kid living inside me, awesome. and uh, and I never want that to go away. And I, I've told this story before, but you know, I had from 2000, I forget it was 2013 to seven, I don't know, 16, whatever. For three or four years, I was playing with Bruce Bouye. Yeah, yeah. Who, if he had asked me when I was 17, and I was buying the the Racer X cassette, Second Heat. Yeah, someday, or rather, I told me someday you're gonna play with this guy. I, there's no way yeah. in the world I would have would have believed you. But I think that the thing is, is I'm always gonna I'm always gonna have that guy in me that's fanning out, and I I hope it never goes away. I and when I was playing with Bruce, there were times when he would show me things that were like, oh, we did this in Racer X. Oh, Paul did this, and, and you know, it's just like when you have when you have the guy telling you, hey play this part Paul Gilbert played this and yeah. but not saying Paul Gilbert he's saying Paul did this and mm-hmm. and uh and then you get to you know there was like a lot of rare pictures he would show and just hanging out with the guy man just you know just the whole thing was like kind of like you got to separate that 17 year old version of yourself from yeah you know you're you're working right now so you <laughs> you better be professional and <laughs> likely you won't have the gig for much longer if you if you fan out so I, I try my best but sometimes it it comes out <laughs> <laughs> man that's cool that's like the ultimate it's like um <coughs> pardon me that's like when you're a kid you, you you jam along with the record or you pretend you're in the band and and there you are playing paul gilbert's parts it wasn't it was unreal i mean real quick about the paul gilbert part yeah yeah <laughs> paul has such a massive stretch he could stretch from nine to twelve to fifteen uh without tapping and uh we're <laughs> playing a heart of a lion and there was a part i just asked bruce i said dude I mean, I gotta tap this. My hand just—it's not made to do that. It's like, he's like, why do you think I stopped playing for all those years after Racer X? Because I, you know, I was—I was like unable to play. You know, I don't know if you had carpal tunnel or some other muscle oh, thing wow, that happened, yeah. but, but that's why is because that's that stuff was impossible to play, and those guys were like, you know, they would nail it, and and it was just—you wonder, you know, you wonder if that was just raw, you know, young raw talent. 
or or it was just playing the guitar all the time or what but you know what i got the opportunity like like um i forget gary sharon said he's like you know look he he got to be one one of those guys for for a moment in time you know mm -hmm. he got to be in van halen for a moment in time and and judge it or not judge it he that's an experience that he had and i kind of look at my thing the same way it's like yeah i wasn't in race for x i wasn't in mr big and uh, but i got to play with one of my heroes and yeah. no one no one can ever you know create an experience like that for me that that'll uh be recreated yeah that's... you know it's just once once in a lifetime it was cool that's awesome man man if i can i'll just shoot a quick satch story in i um I, I sort of met Satch. I worked at a clinic he was doing here, and one of my jobs was to hand him the um, the sharpies for the meet and greet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it was yeah. surreal. But you know what I noticed? Talking about stretch, this is why I'm saying it. Um, Paul Gilbert with his big stretch. Satch is a very compact guy. I've said this on this show before, but he's he's not tall, and his fingers are in proportion to the rest of his body. So. <laughs> I just I looked at his fingers and I thought of all that legato stuff I'd just seen him doing for the last two hours and I just thought, man, that is just a lot of hard hard work and passion and uh yeah. on top of the talent. So that's kinda cool. Yeah, yeah, he, he has that thing about him. He's got such a charisma that Yeah. You know, you know, I always think I always like like I, I like to use uh you know, I kinda like to uh be in a room with someone that even if they're not you know, you know, advanced in, in, in age, you know, even if they're not older, um, I always like to be in a room with people that seem wise to me or seem like, mm -hmm. you know, even if they don't have all the, you know, the, the life experience, they're going to give me the charisma that's going to make me feel like I want to spend time and, and there won't, there will never be a time when I get sick of, uh, hanging out with this person or, or will want to, uh, you know, I kind of ran, run out of things that I, that I could learn about the person or, you know, experiences that kind of thing but joe satriani is one of those guys that you feel like man i could i could never run out of things to ask this guy mm -hmm. he's just like an endless you know wealth of knowledge and just tremendous amounts of wisdom wisdom and charisma you yeah know, it's it's that feeling he gives you even when he's talking to you that's cool man that's cool and um i think that's why i love your podcast because you're eternally curious and 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 learning about these things as well as being a monster musician yourself thank you man, man I, thank you. we need to wrap up shortly unfortunately but what's um let's quickly run some stuff so dallas guitar show when is that what when are those dates uh, i think we're at may i'll be there may 2nd through may 7th okay and i have a show at guitars and growlers mm -hmm. which is uh it's going to be sponsored by solid guitars uh awesome. adam nanya's band perfecto de castro myself uh i think john's Sullivan's going to get up and jam some tunes too. Yeah, nice. Might be some other artists that jump in. So, yeah, I think we're looking at May 5th okay. is the date, and that's in uh, Richardson, Texas. Excellent. Excellent, man. And how else do people keep up to date with, with all your stuff? Uh, I think the best way is just to go on Facebook yep. and uh, Instagram. So, if you Instagram me, it's forward slash uh, all one word, Mara Music, M A R R A Music. And uh, same thing on Facebook. Um, I've got a website, but I've um, you know, I'm going to uh, update that. And that's my full name, gregmara.com, G-R-E-G-M-A-R-R-A.com. So okay. those three places are the best. Yeah, cool. And the Iconoclast Music Podcast comes highly recommended. So uh, thanks, man. check that out, man. Check that out, people. And that's Thank cool. You. Great. What, what's coming up with thanks, that? Man. Have you got some guests lined up? Uh, just did Alistair Green. Yeah, um, yeah. And I've got some... Uh, 
what else do I have coming up? I have some. I have a wish list. Let me just put it to you that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Because I might take a minute off. I have one episode that I'm going to put out with Harry Chaucer okay. from Racer X. Oh, awesome. uh, he was the original drummer of Racer X. Yeah. And we had. A, I'll tell you real quick. I know you got to wrap it up. No, Give me my 20 seconds. Um, he didn't speak English very well, so I <laughs> recorded the questions. He kind of had someone translate it, oh, and wow. then he took his time to uh, provide me with an English uh, response. Uh, a response in English, okay. uh, I should say. Yeah. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna edit that together and 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 present it in a way that sounds natural. But I guess I kind of gave that up right now. That it's not a live thing. Yeah, it's sure. just you'll hear the questions from me and then yeah. I'll edit it together with with his answers. But yeah. uh, very cool. That's coming up to him. I'm stoked on that one. Yeah, and like fine. I said, I've I've got a wish list, so we'll see how it all pans yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, cool. All right. Well, I'll be tuning in. Whoever turns up, so that's cool. That's cool. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, man. Hey, thanks for catching up. Um, yeah, it's been this this conversation has been a little bit everywhere, but I just wanted to have a <laughs> just a you catch up, man. You, Matt. You're, you, yeah, yeah I had, great. Had my wish list of questions for you, so all good. Cool. Thanks, Matt. All right. Well, we'll talk again, hopefully. And um, yeah, all the best for Dallas and, and everything else you got coming up this year. Sounds great. Thanks again, Matt. Cool. Thanks, Greg. All right, there's Greg Mara. And he is great on so many levels. The podcast, he's playing, the videos he puts up. So definitely check out his stuff. And if you haven't heard episode 36 of the Guitar Speak podcast, go back and find that because it gives us a lot more details about Greg's career to date, including some plenty heavy audio so you can hear He's playing up close and personal. All right, thank you so much for joining me on the Guitar Speak podcast. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes for Apple devices or Stitcher or iHeartRadio for Android devices. We're at guitarspeakpodcast.libson.com. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, and you can support us through Patreon. That's all of our bits and pieces. Okay. Thanks for joining us for another episode. My name's Matt Wakeling. You've been listening to the Guitar Speak podcast. See you next time.